This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Veeam. Are you tired of slow, stressful, and expensive bank wires? There is a better way. You could Veeam it. Veeam is a simple, affordable, and fast way to send and receive payments around the world or to the business next door. Veeam bypasses current wire transfer processes, saving users time and money. Veeam also integrates with your favorite accounting software like QuickBooks, Xero, and NetSuite, making manual data entry a thing of the past. Cloud Accounting Podcast listeners who sign up for Veeam will get 10,000 Veeam back rewards points. That's a free $100 for each of your clients that sign up. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash Veeam. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash V-E-E-M to redeem this exclusive offer. Remember, Veeam it and it's paid. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. David, we should have celebrated last time because it was episode 50. We, it's our, what anniversary is that? Gold? I think it's gold. I should have sent you a flower or something, at least for Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's been 50 episodes for us together. I just wanted to say, David, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I, I Hopefully, it's a pleasure for everybody listening. Like, <laughs> like they're the, I mean, we do it for them. I mean, yes, it's fun that you. I get in the closet and I talk to Blake every week, but it's really for everybody else that's uh, downloading and listening and tuning in. And it's been really fun these last two or three weeks, especially with all the news about QuickBooks Live. But we're actually not going to kick off with that this week. There is even potentially bigger news, really interesting news about BotKeeper. BotKeeper got a ton of rest coverage back in like late 2018 because they raised $18 million from Graycroft and Gradient Ventures. It's Google-backed um, private equity firm. They were getting tons of news, sort of like QuickBooks Live has been getting, because they were uh, going out there saying, we are going to replace bookkeeping. We have figured out how to automate bookkeeping using artificial intelligence and AI and machine learning. And you can become our partner as an accountant and offload all your bookkeeping to us. We'll take care of it all for one low, you know, low fixed fees and and take care of it all. Yeah. And they were doing the, the tour. Like they hit all the accounting conferences that summer, right? And that summer and fall. And they were really just pitching everybody on this like, hey, we have these magic bots that do all this work for you. Yeah. Robo bookkeeping. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, I don't know, given what I know about artificial intelligence and the state of machine learning and all that stuff, I'm like, I feel like if this were possible, then a bigger company would have been doing it. Like Intuit would be doing it, right? Completely automating coding with AI or, or zero would be doing I, it or Sage would I, be doing I, it. I, I've always taken that. That's always been my point of view. I've, I've always felt like the people that are winning that AI game are the Googles, the Apples, right. the uh, Microsofts, the um, Amazons of the world, right? People that have billions and billions and billions of data points, right? So to do this, like my bet, if somebody's going to build this magic AI that does tons and tons of bookkeeping automatically, it's Intuit or Zero. people that have millions of customers. Yeah. I don't think you could do it if you're kind of in a, a pseudo accounting firm, kind of, they're small, right? Like yeah. it's, they, I just think it's, you have to have billions of data points to really build AI. And, That's and, kind of my point of view. You know, in my company, we've been talking about how are we going to build more AI into our our tool. And it, the, really the options are either we buy something that already exists from say Amazon, or we hire 10 really expensive data scientists and do it ourselves. So what do you think we're going to do as a relatively you know, small company with 150 people? We're not going to go hire 10 expensive data scientists. So to me, this just never made sense. Mm-hmm. And something happened this past week that made me question it further. I got a, a message a Twitter message from uh, an, a, an accounting partner of BotKeeper who will remain anonymous. And she sent me a screenshot of a form, her website form. Apparently, somebody went onto her website and filled out a form and said, quote, 
BotKeeper is not what it sells. It tells you that there is AI, but it is really a team in the Philippines that is doing the work. They have no AI, and the one tool they created does not work. And just copied and pasted that paragraph into every single field in her form. This is like most accounts of BotKeepers. You have a contact us form on your website, and somebody went to our website and pasted this in, all the fields, and then hit submit. Yes. And that alone is not necessarily newsworthy because who knows where this is coming from. Maybe this is a competitor. It could, it could just be somebody trying to smear their name, right? Okay. But then BotKeeper acknowledged that this had happened. Apparently, this person has been going around and filling this information into a lot of accounting firms' forms that are also partnered with BotKeeper. And what do you mean acknowledged? So they sent an email. Uh, Enrico Paul Marino, the CEO and founder of BotKeeper, sent an email to all of the accounting firm partners, and this was um, forwarded to me. I'll just go ahead and read it. It was brought to our attention that we have had a disgruntled employee reach out to a few of our partners by submitting forms through their sites with the intention of spreading some rumors and hurting our credibility. To ensure all of our clients are on the same page and to avoid any confusion or misconceptions about our offering, we wanted to reach out to proactively clear the air. As most of our partners and clients know, we leverage a team in the Philippines for data validation, administrative tasks, and some lower-level accounting functions. We also leverage various third-party tech where it makes sense and build software only where we see a need or gap. Lastly, a large portion of our product is made up of AI, artificial intelligence. Our investor team, including Google, has every faith in our software, AI, and future of our business, enough that they invested $22.5 million into our company. We value the importance of transparency, so if at any point you have questions arise, please feel free to reach out to me personally. We apologize for any disruption this event may have caused. Warmest Enrico Palmerino. Wow. Knowing what you know about BotKeeper and the interviews you've watched uh, Enrico give and talk about the product or the service or whatever it is, what's your take on this? So so I, I think like in this this, this letter, right? That third paragraph, right? Uh, the, the second sentence is, we also uh, leverage various third-party tech where it makes sense. And I think that's always been obvious. Like if you actually sign up for BotKeeper and you started going through the li- license agreement in terms of service, it actually lists the apps they use. What, what are they using? Gustobill.com, AutoEntry. It lists all the apps they use and like what the um, additional cost that will be for your service as the, these apps are used. Some said they've been always straightforward that they're using QuickBooks Online and Zero, right? So, so it's always been very clear that third-party tools are involved. What's not been clear has been this kind of impression that magic bots were doing all the magic work. And that's what the message kind of has been at the accounting shows in May, all summer at QuickBooks Connect. Over and over again is this, there was never said a team of people were doing this. I never heard Enrico say, we have a team in the Philippines doing the work. Enrico did a, about a four-minute interview, three-and-a-half-minute interview on Fox Business News. And he really implies over and over again that it's just AI. AI is doing this. AI is doing this. AI is doing this. Over and over. He never once in this interview, and this is November. So this, so this is a, a big different tune, right? Like the tune that was sung by Enrico in November, November 27th. So it's, what's that? We're, what, 60 days ago? Yeah, so is different than the tone today or that email. I think people should hear this. So we're going to play now a clip from that interview. And it was on what, Fox Business News? I mean, that's crazy how much coverage they got. Thank you for having me. Um, so what BotKeeper has been able to do is build some really exciting technology that mimics the accountant brain. 
um, essentially how you interpret or infer the transactions that come off of bank and credit cards or emails, understand what that data is, and then how to apply or what uh, accounting policy or procedure and action should be taken on that data. Um, the way a human has to... Yeah, so it's, they said it's, it feels like it's a, it's, a, it's a completely different tune from 60 days ago, 70 days ago to that email that's sent out. And I think that's new, that email's news. You know, I don't want to speculate too much. Again, I've said I have my doubts. Given that they don't even have their own accounting GL that they've built, I really want to know how much of this is automated and how much of this is manual. Is it just a, another fancy way of, of running a bookkeeping service with some really slick marketing and a way to raise a bunch of money from VCs who honestly, they just hear the word artificial intelligence, they want to give you money. Makes me want to go out and just create a pitch deck for something, something like well, this. Well, then just you put blockchain in it. That's <laughs> blockchain <laughs> as well. Yes. to go on that. So if you are listening and you have information into the state of Botkeeper, what they're really doing over there, then let us know. I'm I'm at Blake T Oliver on Twitter. I'm at David Leary. This is this has been one of the f- best parts about the whole uh, Intuit news over the last few days. Is we're we're reaching out where where people are reaching out to us and we're getting involved in these inside discussions and we're able to bring that information to the accounting community more widely when it has been, it's like been hidden before, right? People have talked about it, but like now it's getting out there. Continue to send us stories. People keep sending us stories now. And so we've kind of, some, some of this is tipped a little bit and, uh, but we're not the only ones talking about these stories there. We can, as we move on to QuickBooks, we will talk about QuickBooks live again, right? Well, there's been so much discussion, right? We got to share what, what some other people are thinking about this. Yeah. And I think we have a big, good roundup because tons of people have thoughts on this and we can rattle through these. All right. Let's, let's do it. So I think the first one, right, is uh, Zero had a response. Yes. It would be nice to think that they listen to the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think that it would be, have been stupid for Zero not to do this, right? Given that something like 90% of Zero end users are connected to an accountant. That's been a very, very strong channel for them globally and in the United States too. Kerry Goman, president of Zero Americas, wrote, it's basically a love letter to bookkeepers and it was appropriate that it came out on Valentine's Day. I just love the last bit in in this very brief letter. She said, at Zero, our choice is clear. Technology can only succeed when it improves human relationships. We believe people innovate, technology doesn't. I talked about that, I think, in the last podcast about like, it's a relationship game. And we were talking about that's why the KPMG UK thing failed, right? And then I also mentioned right. like, Intuit's always been really good at relationships, right? So I totally agree that the relationship is part of this. What stood out in this letter that, that they wrote was the paragraph, and let me read it because I feel like it's saying one thing and saying something else at the same time. So uh, we must avoid the temptation to believe the hype that the future will soon be dominated solely by technology. This is a future already alive in the imaginations of many where the work traditionally done by bookkeepers is eliminated and replaced by AI and on-demand services like Uber-like services. So I I read this and I kind of feel like, what does it mean? Is she saying like, this is just hype? Or is she saying... It's not hype because it's not even going to be here in the future. It's here today. And that's just the deal. So I've been thinking about this too, actually. And um, I'm not sure if this is where, where Zero is going with this, but like this is here's my take. The messaging from Intuit and from a lot of folks who support QuickBooks Live has been that bookkeepers, accountants really don't want to be doing the low-level bookkeeping work, the categorization of transactions, the reconciling of accounts. And that what they really should be doing is 
moving into advisory type work. That's the message of Joe Woodard's entire conference, Scaling New Heights, coming up, the transformative advisor. I'm not sure that works because bookkeepers and accountants are very intellectual people. They're data-driven people, right? We are, I'm a CPA. I am a data-driven person. I couldn't imagine some, anything worse than like being considered a business coach. <laughs> I hate that term, right? And I hate the idea of just being an advisor. Like, I don't understand what's the value that I bring as an advisor if I don't bring data. And so I think that rather than, rather than being advisors, accountants and bookkeepers, we need to become data analysts. We need to use data and dig into it and spend time analyzing it so that we can provide real insights. The problem I have with outsourcing the bookkeeping, like if I were running a firm, I wouldn't want to outsource the bookkeeping. I would want to do it myself because I don't trust data that somebody else created. Right? How can I trust that the QuickBooks Live bookkeeper did a good job or that Botkeeper did a good job? I mean, I'd probably have to do just as much work to go and verify the data as to do it myself at this point. So that's that's why I don't buy this, like give up the low-level bookkeeping and just do the advisory. I think you really need to do it all to provide good advisory. Totally agree, especially this. I mean, we'll go through other people's takes on this, but that's what that if you're if you're a niche, right? You don't the, these generic services don't matter because you're gonna you're right. gonna be so good at bicycle repair shops that you're going to be, you're going to be able to automate and, and make the bookkeeping awesome, but you're also going to provide all this extra value because you're just an expert on everything about bike shops that nobody else is. Exactly. So yeah, let's okay. go through some of the other right. commentary. So Kathy Iconis, she wrote an article on accounting today. What does she have? She, she had a po- more positive take on this. Yeah. I think for me, the one takeaway I saw in that article was actually the quote from Kim Asbaugh. So, and, and I say she has her title. I know a couple episodes ago, we didn't have her title correctly. So Kim Asbaugh, senior manager of global communications at Intuit said only 60% of those subscriptions for QBO have an account and user attached to the account. That leaves 2 million subscribers who aren't even considering a bookkeeper or an accountant at the moment. And I find that an amazing upside number on one hand, right? Like, hey, mm-hmm. that's, right. Intuit could put the word bookkeeper in front of too many people. Hey, you probably should hire one of these bookkeepers, right? Or, or add on a bookkeeper, right? But I'm also kind of like, geez, does this kind of reinforce the whole point where that's 2 million po- data points that proves they don't need a bookkeeper? Like, but, <laughs> but I think that's, that's a staggering stat. Like that's, that's a lot of people that are kind of, maybe they have an in-house bookkeeper. Obviously those numbers are hard to tell, but like that's, there's still yeah. a lot of people that are running blind small businesses. And I think that's a staggering stat. Well, and let's say that Intuit captures 10% of those 2 million businesses that aren't using a bookkeeper now and get them to sign up for QuickBooks Live at $200 per month. Mm-hmm. That is something like half a billion dollars in annual recurring revenue. And only that, that's good for the small businesses because Intuit has data that, and, and I, I think I actually saw some from zero as well. Like these small businesses, when they have an accountant helping them or a bookkeeper helping them, use QuickBooks Online or Zero, they're just more successful. So Intuit can get 200000 yeah small businesses working with a bookkeeper, that's 200,000 more successful small businesses in this country. So it's noble. Yeah. And that's Kathy's main point in this article, I feel like, is that by by getting into the, the market, that Intuit is going to increase the total market size for bookkeepers. So they won't be stealing from the existing pro-advisors. They'll be increasing the overall market. Yeah, the awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen Rayburn, one of my favorite people on social media, runs a, a marketing firm for accounting firms and bookkeepers called The Profitable Firm. She said in a LinkedIn article 
she actually gave 25 reasons why this is a good thing. And um, I don't think she like she wasn't saying that it's, it's definitely a good thing. She was saying, you know, you might have conflicted feelings about this, but my argument, uh, her argument is always let's let's look on the positive side. Right. Always look on the bright side of life, to quote Monty Python. And uh, I, she had, of course, 25 reasons why this could be considered a good thing. I liked her, her last point uh, that she summarized at the end of the article. She said, because of QuickBooks Live, quote, you're now being pushed to be really, really clear about how you're different. This will push you to focus on the clients and what they actually need. And that's a very legitimate point that most accountants and bookkeepers right now aren't figuring out how to differentiate themselves from the competition and that having Intuit in there with a really strong baseline offering will will force you to figure out how you're different. And that's like what you said about the niche thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I did not see this article or read this article. So thank God you have good show notes because I'll click on this and read it later after the fact when I'm listening to the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, Well, you did read the article that Mark Wickersham wrote, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, so Mark Wickersham had an article, um, just a quick quote from his that I found interesting. So my view on Intuit's new test is that it hasn't changed anything for those in the profession who are forward thinking and willing to change. Machine learning and artificial intelligence is getting better. We already know that. We knew we needed to change our services because of the technological technological advances in our profession. And to its experiment has just given us more immediacy to alter our service. So similar. Similar, you know, like, hey, the people that knew this was coming aren't really affected by this. Those of you that maybe were on the fence, you just got a little fire. You got to get going. The conversation continued on Twitter. Laurelyn Crum said in a video, the term bookkeeper needs to go away. Instead, rebrand as an accounting technician or accounting operations. I couldn't agree more, right? The, the term bookkeeper, as we discussed in past episodes, doesn't make any sense anymore. There aren't any books. We're not keeping them. Uh, we're not entering transactions according to the definition in the dictionary. So, I don't know, maybe the term bookkeeper will evolve or maybe it will go away and, and be something else. Yeah, I, I think a cloud automation expert would be a good title. I think there's a lot of good titles people could use. Um, and then the opposite side, I think if you're you're an accounting firm and you're posting a job posting, yeah, uh, probably don't advertise you want a bookkeeper because that's going to give that's going to get you a certain set of applicants versus saying I would like a cloud technician or a cloud accounting technician. Excellent point. Finally, uh, Mel Power weighed in as well. Did you want to read that? I guess, oh, I guess it's my turn, right? Uh, here we go. Here we go. So yeah, so Mel Power, uh, that article is really good. Um, she had a good quote in there. With the And it's similar to the other comments have been made, but uh, with the introduction of cloud accounting and further technology advancements and artificial intelligence and machine learning within the accounting vendor ecosystem, the labor-intensive process is reduced to almost zero. The truth of the matter is there is no value for highly skilled bookkeepers in doing data entry work. We have all the tools available to do the job for us. Couldn't agree more. And I, I think this just uh, reinforces the idea that I, I feel like bookkeepers who are moving into more advisory services should still own the bookkeeping, right? I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of outsourcing to another service because I don't know the quality. So if I have to review it, that's probably going to cost just as much as if I do it myself, right? So that's that's my question to folks who are supporting this QuickBooks Live and are saying, oh, I'm going to outsource the work of my firm to QuickBooks Live. How do you know that it's going to be good? You're going to have to review it and that's going to take time. So why not just do it? It doesn't take that long to do it these days. Uh, on one hand, the folks that know how to provide value are going to figure out how to have zero bookkeeping work in their own firm because you can do it with off-the-shelf tools. And then... right. 
focus on that higher value client stuff. I mean, that, that's really the, the, the recurring message in all these. And, you know, this is here. It's here now. Well, so, hey, did you know it's tax season, David? The, shut, the government shutdown's over, like taxes are happening. Okay, yeah. so you got it. Yeah, it's tax season. We haven't really been talking about it, but I saw an article that just kind of uh, caused my brain to explode inside of my skull. It's on CNBC. The headline is, Tampa man reported income of $18,497. IRS sent him a refund check for $980,000. The gist of this article is that this guy had very little income. He filed a completely fraudulent tax return saying that he paid $1 million in taxes in withholdings. He had less than $20,000 in wages. And because the IRS only checks refunds manually in excess of $2 million, they just automated, automatically sent him a check. This guy's a genius. I know, right? I mean, like, why isn't everybody... This is the easiest <laughs> hack ever. <laughs> I So to me... And you have to read down in the article to find out that the IRS official like threshold for that triggers this internal control is two million dollars. I, I, I almost I almost can't say what I'm thinking because it's so vulgar. Like what the what what are they thinking over there? Like wh- why would you set it so high at two million dollars? Shouldn't you be probably checking every single refund that goes out that's even over? Gosh, like $10,000, $100,000? Like, why? The IRS can pay me a million dollars a year, and I will just sit there and audit these $1 million checks and more, and it'll be profitable for the IRS, and I'll be really happy, yeah. happy to do it. I mean, it's like, okay, um, here's, some, here's a way that Enrico over at Botkeeper could really help us out, is by applying his artificial intelligence and machine learning to refunds that the IRS is processing, right? Like, hmm, I think the dumbest AI in the world could figure out that this is not a real return. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You basically, it's, it's usually a spam filter that could probably figure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So that's, that's our tax news. Uh, over on the other side of the pond in the UK, a rare medieval accountancy book is expected to sell for $1.5 million. Can you believe it? A book about accounting, $1.5 million. This is in the Financial Times. And I, I, love, I love seeing this because this is accounting history in action. Uh, the father of modern accounting, or the guy who is considered to be the father of bookkeeping, Luca uh, Pacioli, he wrote a book in 1494 called The Summa de Arithmeta, uh, Arith, Arithmetica. Summa de Arithmetica. He's a mathematician. He was a mathematician. And in, in that book, it was supposed to be a compendium of everything known at the time about mathematics. But it was also a practical how-to guide to accounting uh, and business. And so he wrote down, for the first time, he wrote down the concept of double-entry accounting using debits and credits. And that's why he gets credit as being the father of accounting. Well, there's very, very few copies of original copies of that book around. And one of them is going on auction uh, at Christie's in London, and it's going to be on view in February. I think they're going to auction it off over the summer. So like, I'm, like the accounting nerd in me just loves this. I really want to go and see this this book. And uh, if I had $1.5 million, I would definitely buy it and put it in a museum somewhere with my name on the, I, on the wing. I, I'd love for somebody in our industry to buy that book. Yeah, right. So, so Scott Cook, somebody who's been around a long time to buy that book, own that book, keep it in the family, if you want to call that right, in the accounting world, and not just some collector is going to take and go stick in a storage bin somewhere and we're never going to see this book for another 20 years till it gets auctioned off again. Right? I would love for somebody in the industry to buy that book and sh- keep it shared with all accountants. 
I think so. I think, uh, you know, maybe Intuit will build a museum to accounting. Actually, this is a good question. I, I know there, uh, for this, for all you listeners out there, I know there's a quote unquote, an accounting hall of fame. Is there an accounting museum? Oh yeah. If somebody knows if there's an accounting museum in their hometown, some, please shoot us an email. Like we'd love to find that out. Well, uh, hey, wait, I'm not going to wait. I'm doing a Google search. Oh, all right. There is a Texas Accountancy Museum exhibit at the TSCPA headquarters in Dallas. I guess uh, it features historical accounting items as well as informative panels covering the profession. So there you go. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. That's the first Google result. Anyway, before we finish with this story, fun fact, Luca Pacioli, father of accounting who wrote this book, he, uh, three years after his book was published in Venice, I think it was three years, he went to Milan where he was roommates with Leonardo da Vinci. And he taught Leonardo da Vinci mathematics and they collaborated on a bunch of stuff. So like this guy, he was hanging out with Leonardo da Vinci and, uh, and, and he invented accounting. How cool is that? It's much cooler than anything we're doing these days. <laughs> like, 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 yes, <laughs> I, I see. What, yeah. Amazing. 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 See bookkeeping. That, that was the key. There we go. Uh, so I got another story here. Uh, this is about fintech uh, blockchain. We haven't talked about blockchain in a long time on the podcast. Still exists. Okay. Okay. Still exists. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, still exists. Well, so you you know my feelings about blockchain, David. Right? Like that. All those people talking about how blockchain is going to put accountants out of business and eliminate audit. That's all crap. It's just not going to happen, at least in the short term. Well, that's not to say that there aren't going to be useful applications for blockchain. And here is one of them. JP Morgan is rolling out the first US bank-backed cryptocurrency. The engineers at the bank, they've created a, a cryptocurrency called JPM Coin. And it's not like Bitcoin because it is linked directly to the US dollar. So it's, a, it's a, called a stable coin, meaning that it's, it's not its own currency. It's like a derivative. Uh, the idea is that when you deposit money into your JP Morgan account, you will now uh, be able to be issued JPM coins, which allow you to make international transfers much faster and with less cost than wire transfers. Got it. So, so in a way, because JP Morgan Chase, I mean, th th it's huge, right? They're between banks and investment firms. The biggest right? bank in the world. So, so, so basically, this yeah. gives them a way to have their own internal way of flinging money around all over the world. Yeah. And, they, you know, they control it, right? It's a, pri a private um, type of blockchain. So they can ensure that it's safe. But yeah, it, basically, it allows people to transfer money internationally directly with, you know, JP Morgan's blessing without having to go through their wire transfer desks, Got it. right? Which just, yeah. And that's going to speed up the process, hopefully bring down, they, they didn't talk about bringing down costs, but I imagine eventually it will. But mostly now it's about just speeding it up, making it instant rather than having to wait a day for a wire transfer to clear. I feel like I heard this on a podcast earlier this week, um, economics podcast or something. It was on Marketplace. It was a big deal. Um, if you listen to NPR Marketplace report. But when I heard it, I immediately thought about Veeam, who's our sponsor. Because I was like, kind of what's Veeam is doing that. They're, they're using um, alternative technologies to move money around and bypass the typical wire transfer yeah. uh, system. And that's what JP Morgan's going to do that is doing this a similar thing. Well, and what's so what's cool about Veeam though is that it's not limited to any particular bank. Exactly. Right? So you don't have to bank at Chase to use Veeam. Yeah, and actually, like I'm, I was really excited when we got Veeam as a sponsor. This is the second episode they sponsored because they are really the one of the actual SaaS applications or or developers that are really using blockchain for something useful. It's not just talk. Blockchain is one of the ways they transfer money around behind the scenes to make your international transfers more. Uh, uh, less expensive. Yeah. And, and I think the other difference is you could use Veeam today. Any small business can. 
I, I suspect that this this coin's probably going to be for huge hundred million dollar transfers that are going around the world first. Like they, the average small business owner is not going to get access to this technology stack yet at JP Morgan Chase for sure. Right. Right. Well, so speaking of fintech, uh, we talked about Bill.com and this new vendor pay by Bill.com feature that American Express is offering last week. And now uh, I'm a little bit embarrassed because listening back on that, it was like a lot of speculation because we didn't have a lot of information. And I was wrong uh, about how this is going to work. Well, um, I feel like all we saw, there was like a video in a LinkedIn. We actually even made a comment about that last week. Like there's a video, it's really interesting, but I don't see the article. There was nothing. It was like, there was a press release, but no info. Yeah. Right. So uh, thankfully, uh, Stephen Brown, who runs Ledger Gurus, reached out on Twitter and he very nicely sent us a, a, a FAQ that Amex sent to him. And so now we know a lot more about how it's going to work. So, uh, well, the, the FAQ says that this is actually going to be through the American Express website, not the Bill.com website. So this is more similar to the uh, the Bill.com payment portals that you can now get through Chase or through Bank of America. It's built into their product. So it's it's Amex vendor pay powered by Bill.com, right? Not Amex inside of the Bill.com that we know and love. And it's available to American Express business and corporate card members. So they they can sign up for this. And they can use Bill.com's technology to send payments to their vendors using virtual cards. Uh, and it's actually, it's free uh, for one user per month. You log into Amex, you can send virtual payments. What happens is that the vendors receive an email with a one-time use virtual card number and expiration date and code. They can use that to charge you for the invoice or whatever it is. And then it doesn't work after that. So that's the free thing, right? And Bill.com is powering that whole workflow. If you want some of the more advanced Bill.com features, like sync to QuickBooks and Zero approvals, you have to pay for that. That starts at $59 per user per month for that. And then they have an advanced uh, feature that includes syncing with NetSuite and Intact for $99 per user per month. But what's really neat is that actually to pay your bills by American Express is free, completely free. There's no... 50 cents per transaction, dollar per transaction, $2 per check, any of that, if you pay with your Amex card using the service. So kind of a really neat, I mean, if I were an American Express customer and I were happy, I would, I would love this service. Only downside is that you can't, it doesn't sync with the existing bill.com. So you can't migrate your existing bill.com account over there. It's only for new signups, right? Through American Express. And Stephen had a take on this. He said that, it's interesting for Amex, but he's worried that it, you know, concerned that it fragments the bill.com experience somewhat. And he says the industry needs integration, not fragmentation. AP tools need to facilitate payment via any method. There is value in the control and the visibility. So give people the ability to pay however they want. The AP tools that do such and integrate seamlessly with accounting software will likely be the winners, end quote. So thank you, Stephen, for sending over that info. We really appreciate it. No, that's a good point. I think uh, yeah, virtual card numbers are going to be a thing. Like I think they're slowly sneaking up on people this year, um, but more and more people are like the need for virtual card numbers is becoming kind of clear. And all the players now, Visa, Mastercard, now says like Amex are creating either APIs or however they're doing it. They're letting third party apps spin up virtual cards, and so I think that's going to be a big play this year um, as the year goes on. Love it. So you, you've got some news from down under, right, David? Yeah, so uh, Reckon, who I think historically speaking, 
they were the QuickBooks desktop of Australia. I think they were even co-branded at one time. A few months back, MYOB, who is kind of, historically speaking, kind of was the winner of Australia. And then Zero came along and disrupted MYOB. But M, uh, MYOB was going to purchase Reckon, and then it, it failed, right? Mm-hmm. And now Reckon has completely kind of changed their direction. And I'm going to, so the headline is Reckon Shift Strategy and MYOB Zero rival, Rivalry. What they're doing is they decided to pull out of marketing their accounting software directly to small businesses. Instead, they're going to work with the Institute of Public Accountants and white label their solution. Wow. So this is an accounting association like the AICPA here in the United States that is white labeling accounting software to their members? That's what... It sounds like, yes. I mean, I know the AICPA has CPA.com, which has partnerships with accounting uh, you know, software providers like Bill.com and, and whatnot. But to actually do it directly through your association, I mean, it's, it sounds like a bit of a conflict. I, I don't know if it's a conflict or if it's a desperation play at this point. There's, a, there's actually a quote um, from their chief executive, uh, Sam Allert. And he said, we run our own race. We run different business to MYOB or Zero, but their model is to throw a lot of mo- money into things like marketing. So it sounds like we don't have any budget left for marketing. We're going to try this white label thing and that's it. Like, like saying like you're not going to market your product is, is almost like giving up in a strange way. Like you said, they've basically conceded the direct market. And that's kind of the news. I don't think there's uh, anything else. Well, that was a lot of fun, a lot of news this week. Uh, I mean, BotKeeper, QuickBooks Live, IRS issues, a rare accounting book, JP Morgan doing a, a blockchain, Bill.com, partnering with Amex. I mean, hopefully we have just as much next week. <laughs> hopefully. If people, well, you know, hey, we rely on our listeners now to help us source these stories. Uh, for, we would not have known about BotKeeper if it wasn't for our our friend who shall remain anonymous. If you have information that other accountants and bookkeepers look into, stay on top of technology, need to know, you can send it to us on Twitter. I'm at Blake T. Oliver. And I'm at David Leary. And connect with us on LinkedIn. Make sure to like our Facebook page on Facebook. Just put in Cloud Accounting Podcast and you will uh, be able to follow us uh, on Facebook where we post out links to the articles that we discussed. If you want to get show notes automatically emailed to you every week when we drop the podcast, join my mailing list. If you go to cloudaccountingpodcast.com, cloudaccountingpodcast.com, you can subscribe right there. Uh, click the blue subscribe banner um, and subscribe right there to my email list and you'll get the show notes emailed to you automatically the day after an episode drops. You'll have all the links to all the articles, all the extra screenshots in there. So, you know, you can follow up on this after you get out of your car and uh, you want to read more. I'm subscribed. So hopefully everybody else does. All right. Well, hey, it was a pleasure as usual, David, and uh, happy 50th. Yeah, here's to 50 more. Let's be more conscious about this. When we hit episode 100, we'll have to you know, really make it a little bit more celebratory because we did not celebrate it all for 50th. So we're, we're going for 100. Maybe by then we'll have a sponsor that'll throw us a party. We'll, we'll see. We'll nice. see. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. On that note, I'll see everybody next week. See you next week. Bye.